This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. So glad that you're here. We are going to jam-pack about 90 minutes of entertainment into a three-hour period. It's just, it's quite a show to, wait a minute, I think it's the other way around. Great show today. We're going to start with a guy who nobody in his world wants him sitting in my couch. He is a guy that is, I think, one of the braver people in America today. And a guy that right before the election decided, I'm a gay Muslim lefty. I'm going to go to Alaska and meet these Trump supporters and see if they are actually what everybody in the media says they are. And he wrote one of the most amazing articles that I have ever read. In fact, I think it's one of the biggest Uh, articles that we have ever published at glenbeck.com and that is saying something really a refreshing voice we start there right now the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenn beck program Before I introduce you to our guest, I have to say something um, because it's critically important. People have been looking for the ugliest Christmas sweater and holy cow, Stu has found it. Thank you. That is by far the ugliest Christmas sweater I have ever seen. That is so sweet. You didn't have to say that. That's uh, thank you so much. Did you try to go for that or? Well, uh, it is the ugly, ugly sweater does kind of indicate that you would try to make it ugly um so yeah yes. but though there's a point where it becomes a crime against humanity yes i think i've found think that point. that is uh, yeah you have it feels that Sorry, uh, this from the guy with jesus and santa riding tandem on a bike are you um, kidding me are you telling me that jesus serious? and santa would not ride a bike together uh no they'd they be buddies they don't need to ride a bike they'd be buddies uh, well one of them does forms of transportation the fat man needs to maybe no, work doesn't. a little bit off yeah, no, you know uh, what i'm saying no he doesn't no the fat man's got a plan and he's he's got flying reindeer. But yeah. how much do you want to make it bet? How cool would it be to have a little bumper sticker on the back of the tandem that said, my co-pilot is Jesus. <laughs> right there. <laughs> All in one sweater. You've okay. some thinking about that. That's All right, good. I have. That's I good. have. That does not uh, Riaz Patel is um, with us. He is a, uh, a gay Muslim, um, what else? Immigrant. What a, immigrant. Immigrant. Yep. Immigrant. Um, who has an adopted child with his husband. Uh, there's just not any more categories or boxes to check on you. Yes. Right. I have the full set. 
Right. You're it. You're all of it. Yeah. And uh, nobody in my life wants me to talk to you and nobody in your life wants me wants you to talk to me. Or at least it was yeah. that way. What? Six, eight months ago. Yeah. I had, there were warnings. Warnings. People, there were people in my life were very concerned that this was some sort of a, a trap to embarrass me or for for people here to understand. It just it. Uh, there was skepticism on both sides. Didn't you reach out to us or did we reach out to you? Uh, I had to talk to Tommy. And then they had said we should we should talk, but at the idea of when I was coming to you, Glenn Beck, yeah. the epicenter, the Prince of Darkness, is when the warnings <laughs> came out that I should be careful. Right. I should be. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the last time we saw each other in person, mm-hmm. um, you, you had this conversation with me, you know, before we hit the air that uh, you know you said, hey, let's let's keep in touch, and and I made some comment of yeah, let's you know develop a friendship, and um, you said that wasn't working out real well. <laughs> for you no no, no. You're, you're a terrible friend I have to yeah. say I don't <laughs> right. know you literally disappear like a ghost and that's friendship right. so uh, someone has to teach you that there's actual right. constant communication there's checking in um, that yeah, that's well, what friendship sort of become yeah we'll see but uh, just like you probably with us we didn't necessarily trust you so Agreed. I had people check in with you so people yes. were your friends yes no, right <laughs> people weren't my friends they were, they were checking in with me well, they're checking yes. in with you yes. okay but they weren't your friend no so when you went to um when you went to alaska yeah. tell me about that experience i think as someone who had had so many categories and labels applied to me yeah. that i did not feel were fair um i was starting to feel that kind of rage towards trump supporters and before the election, I didn't know who they were. I really didn't. They don't come across my path at all. And so I really was trying to figure out who these people are and what was their actual motives. You know how extraordinary that is? That's like nobody on the left does that. I mean, nobody on the right I don't know if anybody that. on the right does it much either, but certainly no one on the left because they're so insulated. They're so sure of of the way things are supposed to be that they don't reach out and check and see if they're right. You said yeah, to me yeah. before we went on mm-hmm. that you are seeing, uh, and I'm, I, I want you to know, I don't think, I think this should be universal. Agreed. I feel the same yeah. way uh, on the right many times. But you said on the left, you're seeing things in a whole different way. Your own friends. I'm, I'm surprised by the level of judgment. I think there is a sense among a lot of people that I talk to that they have a sense of what you all think, what you all feel, and it's in, painted in very broad, unindividualized paint strokes, which is what I don't like about myself. When people talk to me, you're gay, I think I know who you are. You're a Muslim, I think I know what that is. And so it started to rub me the wrong way uh, just hearing it about someone else. And you and I sat down yeah. and we'd had a conversation yeah. and I'd made some conversation. I said, I don't know why white Christians are asking me X. And you said, well, why do you put us all in that category? And it really stuck with me. And I thought about it and I thought, I'm a pretty open-minded fellow. Am I doing the exact same thing without knowing it? And so that was part of the impetus to go to Alaska is, who are these people that I think I have absolutely nothing in common with? And you found... I have more in common. The funny, the common ground is the ground we're standing on. It literally is. There's so much commonality. So when I talk to people there and say, why are you voting? It's what's best for them and their family. Whether they've understood all the facts, whether their facts are skewed, whatever I could judge about that, they are voting for what is best for their family, as anyone is. And did you find any hate? No. I will say I have not. Not a long time. Did anybody in the mainstream media contact you? This was such a huge story in our audience. Did anybody in the mainstream media contact you? No. 
No. Did that surprise you? You know, it's funny. I sent the, because uh, the, the, I wrote it on election day, um, the day after election day, I looked around and saw everyone basically tearful and upset and thought, wait, there's another side to this. And it was based on the experience of in Alaska. And I had sent it to a bunch of news outlets and to you guys as well, because we'd had such a lovely chat. And as what has happened multiple times with you guys, you jump on the humanitarian story. And I don't see that as much in liberal media. And that's where I work. I mean, I'm based in L.A. as a producer. And to me, there's such a, well, what is the conflict in this? You know, what is, what is, and that's the culture that we have been seeped in that's for two years. That's not the culture that people are seeking. I agree. I agree. It's just not seeking it. No one will buy that story. Um, and it will stick out like a sore thumb. But that's not what people are looking for. Right I agree. Now. I think we're in unprecedented times. I do, too. And I think people not just need to expect things to happen that are unprecedented, but they have to do things that are unprecedented for themselves. So I talked to Ted Koppel um, yesterday, spent about a half hour with Ted Koppel, and he was searching for an answer on fake news and what the problem is and how we bring people together. And I said, and, and I said to him, I said, so... Ted, there's, you know, we, we have to have brave people on both sides. You know, I, I'm looking for the media that will say, wait a minute, fake news has been around since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. You know, the town, town crier was certainly given a plate of food by somebody and said, hey, push this a little. And bit. a few glasses of ale. Right. So that's been happening forever. Um, and the stories on Benghazi. The biggest fake news story of the last decade, easily. But it wasn't labeled a fake news story. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't made into a huge, huge deal. That's, that's to me, that's um, impeachable for Hillary Clinton to knowingly say those things mm-hmm. um, and mislead people. It wasn't, you know, some people reported it, some people didn't. Now we're looking at fake news. And he said to me, this is the fastest of predictions ever been ever been turned around on this show. I think I said on Monday on television, somebody asked me, you know, why? What what is the deal with the fake news? And I said, I believe that it is the news media seeing that they have lost control of the narrative. Mm -hmm. They realize, holy cow, we're going to be in the dustbin of history. This whole system that we set up no longer works. Nobody trusts us. So what do you do? You know it's a dying empire when somebody reaches out for protection from the government. Mm. And so if you make a fake news story, the, the next logical step is we need to license people. So Ted, I said that Monday, Ted Koppel said to me, Glenn, you know, uh, the Internet, people can just say whatever they want. Everybody's a journalist, but they're not. We need some sort of licensing oh, to be able to make sure that you are a journalist. And only, just like we have a republic, not a democracy, because people aren't able to make rational decisions, we should have that in, in the news media. Wow. And I said, Ted, you can't silence people's voices. This is a great thing. Yeah. It's responsibility. And I haven't seen on the on the right or the left anyone actually saying, wait a minute. Aren't we doing exactly what we accused the other side of doing? Yeah, because we are. We've just switched chairs. Yeah. 
And when you talk about licensing, then you're doing things that totalitarian regimes yes. in third world nations do. Yes. And that's a very, very slippery slope. Yes. Um, and so for me, there is this, the hypocrisy of open-mindedness, and I put in quotes, is driving me insane. That people who say they are informed do not know anything about the person who lives four blocks away. Mm-hmm. But I'm informed about the world. And so for me, I'm trying so hard to take these labels that encompass millions, if not billions of people, and say, okay, who is one representative of this? Let me meet someone. Go into their house. Meet their family. Sit down at the dinner table. And not necessarily the leaders. No. Like I, no. I, I made all kinds of news. You know me well enough to know. Do you think I'm okay with Black Lives Matter, the manifesto writers, the one who say communism is neat, mm-hmm. we need a blacks-only state? I mean, that's crazy talk. Mm-hmm. But the people who are in the street... I don't even think they know about the manifesto. Yeah. And they're not feeling heard. Those people need to be listened to. And I think at some point we started giving over all of responsibility of leadership, all responsibility for the country to to anyone else but us. And I think we're now in a situation where who do we have left to blame? I mean, now we're going, it's obviously Russia's fault. And, and there are huge issues there. But when we have to take personal responsibility for ourselves, there's no one left to blame. Right. I mean, I've, I've, at the end of the day, my life is I'm responsible for myself and my family and my children. So, Riaz, is there a way? Because uh, Ted Koppel actually, yeah, actually said you're too optimistic to me. You, <laughs> my God, we're in a different world. <laughs> Your sweater is starting right? to the norm. Thank you. <laughs> right. So Lord. he said you're you're too optimistic. And I said, well, what, what, what are you driving at? And he said, Glenn, there's no way back. And I said, Ted, then where does that leave us? Forward. You go forward. And I think that's what I'm finding with people is the constant treading water of complaining allows people to feel like they're participating without actually making a change in their own life. And I think it is absolutely important. I think on a even more so than ever before, on a very visceral level, we need to go and meet each other and talk to each other so that people who represent us can't speak for us and can't speak with hatred that doesn't is not in our hearts. And so for me, the way you dehumanize, well, the way you humanize people is by getting to know them. Yes. And I think we've been dehumanized for so long. Oh, yeah. I am literally a collection of labels. I am a gay Muslim immigrant sitting on your couch. Somewhere in there, I'm Riaz. Somewhere in there is a personality. But, but in all of the past two years of campaigning, I have been nothing but a collection of labels. And right. I think beyond that is and we are, t- And we are, too. Yes. Everybody oh, absolutely. is. We label and then fight the labels that are being given to us. Yeah. And yet we're still labeling. Back in just a second. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is Sherry's Berries. Christmas is almost here. You wouldn't be able to tell that from uh, Stu's very preppy colored, uh, odd, unsettling, almost, almost vomit. Literally, I mean this medically, almost vomit inducing. If, if <laughs> I feel like it looks like I axe murdered a cartoon family. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes, and it's it just does. like it's splattered all up on, right. on, on my right, right. Mm. Smurf blood and right. And so it, Christmas is almost here, uh, as you can see by the sweater. And the perfect gift mm. is uh, online with Sherry's berries. Where are they? Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice. If no, I brought them in yesterday. Good I brought them in yesterday. I didn't get we one. We all had them. I was, all of us. No, had. all is the wrong. Oh, one. I could get right. you some. Riaz, I'll get you some. We'll have some in the fridge. I'm sure. No, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Humanity ends right there. Yeah. Right there at, at the <laughs> very right. Uh, he was a little greedy yesterday. Said, "Gimme, gimme, gimme." It's that's not the way we behave. Is that it? is exactly how you behave around Sherry's Berries. Sherry's Berries. They are the best, and they're nineteen ninety nine, thirty percent savings. Double the berries for ten dollars. Ten dollars more. And if you go to berries dot com, you will find that they have much more than berries. The this is they're incredible. Easy to send to anybody on your uh, list. Just go to berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, berries.com, $19.99. Double the berries for $10 more. Uh, do it right now. Click on the microphone and type in my name, Glenn, when you get to berries.com. The code name, click on the microphone, is Glenn, G-L-E-N, and order them today at berries.com. Glenn Glenn The fusion of entertainment, entertainment. and enlightenment. And enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Patel is here, and I'm not going to throw out all the labels that we're talking about. We shouldn't throw labels about each other, but you you need to know that he is coming from a very different place um, than, you know, somebody who would normally listen to a talk radio show Mm. and be on the Glenn Beck program. Um, You are wildly optimistic, and I don't know if the first time we met you were. No, not as much. Okay. Not as much. Um, Ted Koppel was a pessimist, called me optimistic, and I'm not optimistic. I'm a catastrophist. Mm. Um, and when we were talking before, you know, in the green room, you said, I, I feel really good. I think people are going to start coming together. Yeah. Show me the evidence of that. I think in, I mean, my travels, going to Alaska and going to this place where I didn't know anyone and sitting at the diner with these third-generation fishermen with whom I have nothing in right. common. So we have the same feeling. It's not going to come from... Any, no, it's going to come, gonna come from bottom the people, up. It's bottom not going to come top-down. And yeah. I think we've been top-down for too long. I don't mean just big government. I mean as, a, as people. Responsibility for our own lives gets pushed to someone else. It's someone else's fault. I'm charging things I can't afford. I think it's just... It's, it's someone else's fault when it goes wrong. And I think it, we are in unprecedented times. And to me, the way to find happiness and fulfillment is to search for personal points of inspiration. If you change what you're looking for, it'll change what you see. If I went to Alaska looking for people who are less educated than me, I would have found them. I would have found them and they were there. But that's not what I was looking for. And when I travel, I'm very clear at what am I looking for. And generally, I'm looking for something I haven't seen before. And I'm looking for optimism and I'm looking for hope. And it's everywhere. And I don't mean vague. I mean specific things that people are doing to transform themselves, their communities, their country. It's amazing. But at the global level, it's all catastrophe all the time. 
I mean, I'd be in a bunker if I listened to the news all day and believe them. I think there's real danger and then there's inflated danger. And when news started going on par with entertainment, the way to get you to turn your channel over to them was to make you afraid or scared or angry enough to watch that instead of Real Housewives. Don't you hate those people? I can't. I, it's, it's so horrible. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Now, when they started doing entertainment on news channels, yeah. oh, oh boy, that those that people was the were... Well, that doing the entertainment's fine, but sending the news as if it's entertainment or putting news in a form that's entertaining and by means scaring everyone around so that they tune in at six to know why yeah. they'll live till tomorrow. Right. Which is what all news is done. Right. News is now. Here's why you have to but watch. It's, you know, what's really, what's really fascinating to me is all of the people said, because I really do have an optimistic message. Look, I think things are headed for a very dark place. Mm-hmm. Historically speaking, I could prove that a hundred different ways. However, the minute we choose not to do it that way, we, we live, we survive, we grow, we get better. We grow. Right. We grow, we expand, we try different Correct. ways. This didn't work, so let's Correct. try this way. You don't go into the front And door. as long as we have one another, there is no end of the possibilities. And if we turn on each other, we're doomed. You wrote on your, on your Twitter, you said, if they come and collect all the Muslims, then I am a Muslim. And I forwarded that, and I believe you. We've only met once. I believe you would do that, and I would do the same. Be- and if that happens, well, you'd have to, what am I Muslim. afraid of? I have to, well, I mean, if they go out for white people, right. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> give my best for you guys. Right. Um, but to me, it really is. I mean, I, don't, I think there are a lot of you. I don't know what you would need. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hang on, hang on. we got to take a break. <laughs> we'll come back in just a second. Thanks a lot. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. And I want to talk about, you just went to Saudi Arabia yes. and, and had an incredible experience over there. And I want to talk to you about that. But I, but I would like to see if you can explain this to the audience. Okay. Um, many people in my audience, um, even the ones who want to give me the benefit of the doubt, I have not been able to crystallize in people's heads why it's so critically important that we reach out to people because, and I know this has happened in your life. We talked about it a minute ago. Glenn, nobody on the left is going to change. And my favorite is they won't listen. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep pointing out it, it's time for us to listen. Yeah. And when I say that, people say we have been bending over backwards with the mainstream media and the left for a long time. They railroad every single time and they're done. They're just tired of it. And they think if we talk, we lose. Mm. Why is it? Give me a reason. If I'm sitting there at home going, I, I, don't, I mean, I'd like this to be true. I'd like this to work, but it's never going to work. Yeah. 
I think it comes down to intention. I think when we meet people, when someone asks you about yourself, you know instantly if they're interested in you and you know instantly if they're just gouging information. I think when you go through, look, we all feel unsafe. I think a lot of this election is a result of people's direct proportionate feeling of, of feeling unsafe and feeling afraid. And I think the way that I don't feel afraid is by getting to know the people around me. That at the end of the day, I'm not looking for a theoretical government to look after me. I'm looking for the people I know and trust. And I think we've lost that ability to say, look, I don't have a lot in common with you, but I'm still your neighbor and I'm still an American and I'm still going to fight for your rights the way you fight for mine. And I think as I travel, and I've been around this country a lot as a producer, I've traveled, driven across the country twice by myself and just gone up to small towns and gone and chatted with people. I have never found anyone negatively react to me when I came in with the right intention, which is I don't know you, you don't know me, and asking questions and ask follow-up questions. And the genuine enthusiasm is what I thought is the best part of America, is because I turn to the person left to me and they don't look exactly like me. That's what made us great. That is what makes us great. Somewhere along the line, that difference in diversity started to feel divisive. And I think we go back to commonality. It's so how do we get past... How do we get past, because you're right, we have given the top too much power. And the top, it could be the top of the moose club. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah. whatever your group is, we have just signed over and become the collective because somebody needed to represent us. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do we find the power when everything in society says you as an individual don't count? by never underestimating the power of your own dining table and your own home is that is your domain to invite people in and show them who you are. I tell Muslims all the time who are afraid for valid reasons, open up your homes, talk to people, invite them in. The more we put our heads under the sand, the more people don't know about us. If you're not exposed to a Muslim, as many people in Alaska weren't, they asked me questions. Is it okay to drink? Do you pray five times a day? What kind? And I would answer them. But if they don't know how can they know and feel comfortable if they're not allowed to ask? And I do think that is the most horrific downside of this political correctness, is that people have lost the ability to just ask a question without feeling they've offended someone. Mm -hmm. You can't offend me if your intention is right. If you don't know, how are you going to know without asking me? Mm -hmm. And I think that, that being locked in this political correctness of everyone, what I will say, no matter where I travel in America, people try so hard to walk on eggshells to not offend me. And I think that is lovely that they care so much that they want to delicately ask. And I'm saying, don't worry about it. I'm not a porcelain doll. Ask me what you want. See, I think there used to be a time when all of that was genuine, where people were really good. Now people are afraid to talk to each other because you're going to be called a hater, a racist, a whatever. Now we've, in, we've put fear drives some of that. Start with your own home. Start with your own dining table. A co co-worker that you don't know well. Someone at the PTA that you see. How hard is it to say, look... I, why don't you come over to my house? That is where we start taking it back. Rather than being dictated from someone to say that you legally now have to be politically correct, I cannot legally control someone's heart. I cannot legally control someone's prejudice. But I can get into their heart by showing them I'm a human. But there's no, the more you try and regulate people's thoughts and feelings, the more they rebel because it's not, it's not what we're supposed to do. You know, it, it, People ask a question genuinely. It's labeled as racist. Well, that's a terrible way to start a conversation. And I, I would like to retire the word racism to a degree because it's now used for everything. Yeah. I don't know how, as four white people, you prove to anyone you're not racist. You don't like ethnic food. It's too spicy. Racist. You don't like coworkers. Dark skin. Racist. I don't know how you go through life 
being able to prove to people, look, I'm genuine. And I think the owner should not be on you. Can I tell you something, Riaz? I have spent, and That's refreshing. these guys, I know, these guys will tell you, I have spent the last six years of my life being accused mm-hmm. of so many things that I am not without anyone actually caring. And then when they do come in, we just had GQ here. Uh, I think it was GQ, wasn't it? Uh, no, it wasn't GQ. It was uh, Rolling Stone. It was not GQ based yeah. on this. Um, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed, yeah. GQ did not leave any impression yeah. on this place. <laughs> on this, yeah, it was the sweaters, no. <laughs> um, so uh, it was Rolling Stone. Guy came in. He was, he was perfectly delightful. He said, I know who you are at the end and, and, and was really open and nice. And we had, we fought it out and we had a breaking point where we both saw each other for who we really were. Mm. That's not the story that was written. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And that's why people are turning against the media, turning against... I mean, this, this last election was not as much about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton as it was about the media. I agree. I agree. When you say, what do you do? I mean, I think the average person withdraws and gets angry. So the exact two things you just talked about as, as the opposite... Of, of what the solution would be, is being out there and talking to people and not being angry and approaching them honestly. The, the natural human reaction to moments like that is to get the hell out of the way. And you know what? Stay in your, in your and, comfortable and area. And look what's happening on f- social media. Yeah. You are on social media, and if you're not angry, if you're just yes. like, hey, guys, I, let's give this person a chance. I don't think, oh, my gosh, you're dead. And so what do you do? You withdraw. Because it's become so toxic. I think I've had, and we talked about this a bit, I've had so many people over the course of my life tell me that you, are, you shouldn't be here. You, you, who you are is not valid, whether it's the gay side or the Muslim side or the immigrant side. That I think I had to build my own sense of, no, that's absolutely not true. So rather than trusting that laws could protect me, I had to find a way to protect myself mentally, to be able to create a space around me where people did not feel threatened, that if they came into the space in proximity with me, someone they'd never met, that they felt who I was. And that was something, but the key of that is I took my own power back. Why are people so, when did Donald Trump become one human being, become the be all and end all socially as well Mm. of an entire nation? Forget politically, but now we're mentally, emotionally, and socially all wrapped around because of one human being same thing could be said for the left with barack obama Agreed. and the same thing i would agree with you 100 yeah he became the savior to i mean they were photographing him with halos they gave him the peace prize before he actually was inaugurated i yeah, think I mean, I mean, I literally i was like he hasn't done anything yet right and so i agree with you on both sides and i think to me the optimism comes from pendulum swing both ways and then they come back and i think we've gone left now we're going right Let's go back, but it's not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from us. And isn't it nicer to know that I have the control of my own home to dispel hate at my own dinner table? We have a, we have a great article um, that is on glenbeck.com right now. I want you to read it. It's about your trip over to Saudi Arabia yes. and what you found. We have about three and a half minutes. Sorry. Can you give me the highlight <laughs> yeah, yeah. of that? Very much what I found in Alaska was confirmed in Saudi Arabia, that people are always looking for the worst. And I was shocked by how much more liberal it was, the progressions they made in women's rights that they're continuing to make. This country is galloping forward. And as a gay guy visiting who's googably gay, I was very nervous. And none of that was there. 
Do they have progress to make? Yes. Could I just say, I don't think Googably is Google-ably. 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 Google Google your name and find out you're gay is yes. what I love, though. Okay. Googably gay. It's <laughs> an internal <laughs> <That's> Googably gay. <laughs> means I, yeah. yeah, I love that. Okay. Okay. So, but, so I knew that people would know. Uh, the open-mindedness I found, the, the progression of women, the cleverness of these policy meetings, of how they're not, they're not just saying women need to take the veil off and drive. How do you take a woman who's never been out of her house and tell her to drive? She needs to learn what the laws are, what her rights are, what her opinions are. And they're doing the subtle work that needs to happen for change. They're not doing big global change of we're going to do that. They're actually doing the policy and the work. And I was amazed by it. And what I learned in Alaska with these people who said, please tell them we're not dumb racists, was the exact same thing I learned in Saudi Arabia. Please tell them that we're not back in the Stone Ages, that we are turning the corner. Do they have more work to do? Of course. But if people are progressing forward, I am interested. Did they know in Saudi that you're that you're gay? Uh, is, and that's okay? It, you know, it was something, it was definitely something like, it was a bit like it was being gay here 20 years ago. Really? It was sort of not discussed. But, you know, at some point I showed photos of my daughter and people asked about mom and I said, oh, it's two dads. And to some people, it was the first time. But no one, they had an awkward moment, a few of them, and then they said, oh, so how does that work? And then they would ask questions. And that person now has met a gay parent. Yeah. Because someone told them, hey, this is who I am. This is my daughter. It probably doesn't happen much in Saudi Arabia. It's, I mean, it's, I mean in some places in Saudi Arabia, it's got to be a death sentence. It's, it's, right. The religious police no longer can make arrests as of February. Why don't I know that? Really? Why don't I know that? I'm a Muslim. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. The religious what? police, as of February of this year, can no longer make arrests. I, and I was talking that. to a woman who said she wow. had a party. There was music playing. The, they called them village police, and they said, what do you want us to do? Come and advise? We can't close it. They can't do anything. I was taken on a tour with a woman who had her hair cut, uncovered, face showing the entire time, just us walking around bazaars. Not one person looked at her strangely, hissed, not one. Why don't I know that? Is because the story is not interesting. That's the Rolling crazy. Stone story needs you to be a villain. But it's and the well, Saudi Arabian story is that all bad. There is, I contend. I, I every time I meet with somebody from Hollywood or somebody from television, they tell me it won't sell. I contend it will. It will sell. in this new era, I believe it will. If we have reached a saturation point of conflict, where reality TV created this conflict that ended up in the biggest boxing match of an election, I think now the pendulum will swing and we can get to a place where people enjoy feeling good. Well, I sure enjoy talking to you. Mm, it's great. Mutual. Mutual. Did you enjoy my sweater or you didn't really? I felt, I was saying, I felt a bit like the new kid in the cafeteria and I felt like you would let me sit at your table and I generally was allowed to, when I leave now, then I'll know what you really thought of me. But, but I, I felt like a kid at the cafeteria and I felt very welcomed. Well, you are, you're very welcomed here. Yeah. And I, I hope to become friends. <laughs> and uh, I've given you my email address. Yes, and yes I would, you have. I would. Uh, and I may give you mine. <laughs> don't. don't. <laughs> you want emails at 3 a.m. with new assignments? <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Honestly. And by the way, you can find his article on what he found, and you won't find this anyplace else. You can find it at glenbeck.com. They're just, as, as he said, they're just... Uh, they're, they're, nobody wants to print the good news and the things that you aren't hearing. Uh, this is one of those things. You can Let's find it start. at glenbeck.com. Yes, thank you. Um, back in just a second. Our sponsor this half hour is Casper Mattress. Casper Mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with all the support that you need. I, I have to tell you, these uh, foam beds, I hate them because you wake up in the middle of the night and you are just sopping wet. Yes, oh, they're so comfortable, and they're wonderful when you're in the showroom, 
And then you get them home, and they all tell you the same thing. Oh, no, it's very cool. No, it's not. I mean, if you grew up in hell, yes, it might be cool. In reality, it's not. Here's the way. Casper Mattress, they know that you can go and um, uh, lay in a showroom and, and learn nothing. Or they'll send the bed to you, and for 100 nights you can sleep on it. If you don't love it, ship it back. They come pick it up. Uh, there's no cost to you, and every penny is returned to you. Casper.com. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress if you use the promo code BECK. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. Casper.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-926-9188. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-926-9188. Gloria, 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 Gloria. Triple eight seven two seven back. I love this guy. I think he is. He's great. I think he is a a real sign of hope. A real sign of hope. Two people that should not get along on paper. I love him. I love him. Yeah, I mean, and I think, yes, you're right, on on paper. Um, But, I mean, I think, you know, obviously know you for a long time. It doesn't surprise me. But, you know, he seems to really be someone who's, honestly trying to understand the world and trying to that's make... All, that's all you need. Yeah, that's great. That's all you need. You're talking about... The, you, you threw in a, a comment there uh, when you were going back and forth a little while ago about the news, and, and you were talking about how the news tonight, it's kind of people try to scare you into the news. You know, t- the whole thing of like, hey, coming up tonight at 11, your kids might die by 10, we'll tell you how. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that whole... That whole thing with social media is now every other tweet is that. Every other tweet is another tweet about how this important, vital story that if you don't click on it right now, the world might explode uh, and you something drastically terrible might happen to you. And, you know, it's just not the real world, right? Like, no. you know, you see these... I, 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 I realized that I was in this world a little bit during the election and that I kept reading these stories about, like, the Trump transition or the Hillary Clinton campaign melting down or mm-hmm. whatever. And you read these things every day and, you know, there's news value to them at some level and they're interesting to read. But so many of them 
wound up not capturing what was reality. Yes. And so you that time yes. was wasted, wasted as you got excited yes. or disappointed or frustrated or angry. All of that was wasted because you know what? None of it had anything to do with what actually got happened in the election. Um, and, you know, I, like it feels like as I kind of caught myself getting sucked up into that occasionally, you, you almost want to think longer term. Have those longer-term things. Read more books. Watch more documentaries. Do things that you don't, you're not taking me seriously because of the sweater, are you? No, I'm looking at the sweater. I need to talk to the person in shading today. Who's in shading? Because the color is all wrong. Because I'm looking at the color on television and the color in real life. And your sweater is vomitous in real life. It's very nice. It's hideously ugly on television. But it is nowhere near the color. We're coming together still, I see. Yeah. Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.